glimpse of glory. Westminster Catechism, we are taught that our purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What is God's glory? And how can we glorify God? When you look at something that's beautiful, there's inherent quality that attracts you to that thing that is beautiful. But the word glorify doesn't mean to beautify God. God doesn't need to be beautified. We do not add to His glory. The word glorify simply means that we ascribe to Him what is due Him. If you look at something that is beautiful and you say, it's beautiful, you are ascribing to it. Or you are making a proclamation that people around you would know that this is something that's beautiful. That's what you're doing. You appreciate the beauty and you verbalize. You are making an announcement that whatever you're seeing is glorious, is beautiful. That's what glorification means. Let's come to the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin. Father, may your word speak to us today. May your spirit convey the what we need to know what we need to come to understand in terms of who God is and what is the glory of God as it relates to us and how we are responsible to proclaim this glory, to make known your glory in this earth. Lord, for your glory shines upon the face of the Lord Jesus Christ to give us life and to give us hope. And I pray that you'll be with each one, each person here today as we meditate and learn your word. May your word become enlivened in each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Now last week we looked at verse 19. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And then he concluded that chapter with this verse. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What did the apostle mean when he said, now glorify God? How do you glorify God? Now that you know the Holy Spirit is in you, you know that you've been bought by Jesus Christ, you belong to Him, how does one glorify God? And what does it mean to glorify God in your body? And what does it mean to glorify God in your spirit? We are captivated by beauty. You are drawn to things that are beautiful. Why is that? Because that is what life is. Life is the glorification of the inner beauty of life. And that is God. God is life, and life in its essence is the beauty of God revealed. That is why we are drawn to beauty. And of course, every beauty that you see, a person who is now beautiful might not be in the future. What is beauty then? It is something that draws us, and God's glory is beautiful if we can grasp it. And we are drawn to beauty, not just things that we see, but also things that we listen to. Have you ever listened to a piece of music and you are struck in awe and wonder? How can that be so beautiful? And who made this? We are drawn to beauty. Have you ever seen something in your thought that is beautiful? This might be something that is foreign to this generation as we are very distracted. Our minds are not calm to a point where we can appreciate sometimes beautiful thoughts. But that is something that is, you will always have with you. Let me challenge you with this. When you are waiting for something, try just to be born and allow your mind to think and to think deeply. You will see something that's beautiful, letting your thought gravitate toward God and not something that is sinful in this life. And you will see that your thought, you can't imagine beautiful things. Where do you think all these paintings and all this music and all of the artwork come from. 
the thought. You know, it, it came from the artist's conception of what beauty is, and we appreciate that because someone is not busy playing a game and then turn around and start drawing, and then in his break time, he plays some other game. It doesn't work that way. Or think about the composer. Someone like Beethoven can compose such beautiful music. I think it has something to do with his inability to hear. Mm -hmm. There's something that is more than just sensory input. There's something that's inside our mind that God placed there. So what is glory? First of all, let me define glory as God. God is glory. God and glory is one. The intrinsic beauty of God or the glory of God, you cannot separate God from his glory. When you see a king, a good king, in his royal robe, with his crown, and he's sitting on the throne, you see him as glorious. This is the glorious king. Now, if you take away the crown, what do you have left? Just a man. An earthly king is glorious when he is put on or there are things that attribute to him that makes him glorious. But when you strip away those things, he's just a man. When we speak about God, we're speaking about his glory. When we speak about glory, we're speaking about God. We cannot separate God from his glory because glory is the manifestation of who God is. See, we cannot see God, but we can get a glimpse of God's glory. And that is as close as we can get to seeing God. In the Bible, when it talks about seeing God's glory, it means seeing God's manifestation. Secondly, God does not share his glory. There are many things that God will share and give us, but one thing that God will never share with humanity is his glory, his essence of glory. In Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. We need to understand this. God will not share his glory, and therefore any glory that you found in your life needs to be attributed to God. The rest of that verse says, neither my praise to graven images. You can say the word graven meaning made. Any images that have been made. We are all graven images. Human beings are created beings of God. We have been made. So glory cannot be given to us. The glory of God needs to be given to him. Praises is a form of giving glory to God. Not that we giving him glory so that he has more glory does not mean that. It means that all glory belongs to him. And if we see a glimpse of that, we would say that belongs to God. When you listen to a piece of music and you know that, that piece of music, now anywhere you go, if you hear a glimpse of the tune of that music, you know that that tune belongs to that music, that composer. So we say, oh, that is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Okay? That is measure whatever. What we are saying is that we are attributing that thing that is beautiful, that someone is enjoying, and say, hey, do you know that that is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Praising is giving God or returning to God what is His. That is what giving glory means. If we take God's glory and we attribute it to someone else, we are plagiarizing God. You know what that word means? It means we're not giving the credit that's due to the person who owns that work. Don't plagiarize God's glory because... There was a man in the Bible who plagiarized God's glory. Acts chapter 12, verse 23. Let me share with you what happens when someone plagiarizes God's glory. His name was King Herod. 
He rebuilt it, the temple. It was magnificent in the time. And people were praising him and ascribing to him what should be God's. And they glorifying him as if he was a God. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and gave up the ghost. Don't plagiarize God's glory. If someone receive or someone give you glory, you know that it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So what you would say is that I'm only a man. All glory be to God. When we do that, what we're doing is we're deflecting God's glory and we give God's glory. We are saying that God deserves that glory. It is not me. I am just a creature. It it belongs, all glory belongs to the creator, not the creature, not the created. We learn from Herod's downfall that he takes God's glory and did not give God the glory. When Herod takes God's glory, when he receives God's glory as his own, what he's doing is he's directing people's praises to himself and away from God. Now, does God care that he's taking God's glory? Yes, he does, because all men belong to God. They should look for him for life. Now, if someone takes God's glory and cannot give you life, cannot give back life through that glory, then they are stealing the life from the people. We are robbing people from the life that they should receive because when you give God's glory, he gives you life. So Herod was taking his subjects' life when he receives the glory from God and not giving glory to God so that people can come to God instead of coming to him. And God accelerated his death by showing you what happens to men. Eventually, we all will be like Herod, don't we? Worms will eat our bodies. That's all we are going to be. The beauty that you see today, doesn't matter how long or what angle you take that selfie, you know, it will be there in an image and then in the future, just think about it. Worms. The image of Herod's is our image. Giving glory to God by living your life by faith. We know that any glory we receive came from God. How does God show His glory through us? First of all, the glory of God is the manifestation of God. We see glimpses of God's glory and we know that that glory came from God. Now, we don't see God entirely. We can't because no one sees God and lives. So we see glimpses of that glory. And what God did was that he take that glory and he put a body around that glory. And that body is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's glory. In Isaiah 40, verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, not his entire glory, because you cannot see God, but the revealed glory of God. And all flesh shall see it together. All flesh. For God to make his glory revealed, he has to put his glory in a form in which we can see it. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man. And we can see him, and therefore we can see God's glory. Not that you see God's glory and you recognize God's glory. The recognition of God's glory requires his spirit. Not everyone who listens to a piece of music that is beautiful is able to appreciate it. You need to be taught. You need to be taught to appreciate something that's beautiful so that you can appreciate it. Knowing the source of what you see that is glorious gives you an appreciation. And that's what it means 
The Holy Spirit teaches you about God. And now you look at each other and you see the beauty that exists in God's creation. Before that, you condemn this person. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us and teaches us, we now then able and have the capacity to appreciate God's handiwork. And he does that through Jesus Christ. We see Christ in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know that the world is in darkness and God brought light into this darkness. But God did not bring light into this darkness the same way that the sun gives light to the earth. The light shines from the outside, but God's light shines from the inside. And he does so through Jesus Christ. The light that comes from the inside is the glorious light. The light that comes from the outside might not penetrate into this room, correct? If I turn off all the lights here, close all the windows, it will be darkness here. But if the light is inside the room, imagine if the sun is inside this room, you cannot close any door to make it dark. That is how God shines his glory to us. He does it from the inside. And the way he does it from the inside is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and then resurrected so that the seed, he said, unless the corn of wheat falleth to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, then it can become a tree. And we get grabbed into that tree, and now the light is inside of us. The glory of God is inside of us through Jesus Christ. And that light is revealed by the Holy Spirit, the revealer. John 16, 13 through 14. God's Holy Spirit's purpose is to reveal God's glory to the body of Jesus Christ. This channel of glory that God shown is by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is no longer here. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. He shall glorify me, for He shall receive of mine and shall show it to unto you. The Holy Spirit's job is to show you and I God's glory. And what is God's glory? God's glory is the truth. We are all seeking the truth. Beauty is the thing that comes closest to the truth. And we wish that it is the truth. You look in the mirror and you wish you're beautiful. And you wish that's true. Truth is ultimately what we incline to find out. All men want to find the truth. Why do you go to school? To learn facts. You want to know the truth. Why do scientists spending all their lives searching for the truth, looking out there in the cosmos, looking in there, in the depths of the ocean, in the tiny little speck and particles and subparticle, to do what? To find out what is the truth. The truth is revealed by the Holy Spirit. And the truth is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ, you know the truth. And when you know the truth, you know the glory of God. And when you have a glimpse of the glory of God, you and I, our responsibility is to make that glory known. When you discover something, the first thing you do is you've got to verify. And then you need to publish it so that people will know that this is the truth. This is our responsibility. For you have been bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God. When you found, when the Holy Spirit has revealed the truth to you, now, what you and I, we need to do is to glorify God with this truth. What is that truth? That Jesus Christ died for our sin, that he was buried, that he was 
risen again, and that he would come, and all those who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is the truth. When you have that truth, what you and I is our responsibility. We need to make that proclamation. We need to reveal that truth so that people would know that God, truth is in Jesus Christ, and our responsibility is to glorify God through proclaiming that truth. God is glorified in the temple. We read last week, we are the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us, and we have the obligation and the responsibility of glorifying God by proclaiming that truth. The Christian's task is to perform the work of the priest. The temple needs a priest. We are the priest. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, and the Spirit glory is what we need to proclaim. The priest's responsibility is to take people's sin and bring it to God, and God forgive people's sin through His glory, His presence. And then the priest's job is not finished. He needs to take that forgiveness, God's glory, and bring it back to the people and say, God has accepted your repentance. So that is our responsibility. We need to proclaim to the people what the truth that we have been revealed in our temple. How do we do that? The apostle taught the church that we have been bought with Christ death, and therefore we must glorify God in two ways. One is in your body and then in your spirit. The distinction between the body and the spirit, the spirit is the inner work and the body is the outward expression. There are two components to how we should glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Think about this. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, where you eat, you drink, whatever you do, paying attention or not paying attention, that is all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Think about your life, a specimen. Someone is looking at you constantly, observing you, looking at you to see what you're doing. Not only that, but looking at you to see what you're thinking. Now, is your life a glory to God? That is what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians. Your life, everything you do, whether you are there by yourself or you're in the church or anywhere, do it all for the glory of God. Let's talk about what's going on in the inside and then what's going on in the outside to give glory to God. Talk first about the inside, the spirit, the inward expressions, and then we'll talk about the body, the outward expressions. Giving glory to God must first come from the inside and then from the inside, when it's clean, when it's holy, when God is there, then it will express on the outside. Okay, so we focus on the inside first. Clean the inside, and the outside will be clean also. The first thing is your mind. That first thing that we need to pay attention to is your mind. What's going on in your mind? Because a dirty mind translates to dirty work. A clean mind translates to a clean work. And therefore, it's easy to see, observe yourself, look at your surroundings, look at your room, look at your place of work. You will see what's going on inside reflects on the outside. If a person who wants to be clean on the outside can clean on the outside, and then what happens? It gets dirty again because on the inside is unclean. So clean the inside first. Our thoughts should turn toward God in the highest form. God is exalted because he's above all things and there are no one like him. That is the first thing that we should think about. There is no one like unto God. There is no one compares to God. God is above all things. There is a, the psalmist says, who is like unto thee? There is no one. 
No, there is no one compares to God. God is above all things. That should be the first thing in our mind. When we look at anything out there, the things that come and should reside in our mind is that God is above all things. He takes the highest precedence in our imagination and in our thought. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. The darkness that comes from within is because we don't recognize God. Because if God is light and we recognize God, then we have light. But if our imagination, what are you thinking about? What's going on in your mind? If you were taking account of your waking moments and the thoughts are going through your mind, and if you have a way of recording it and you play it again today, what do you think that movie would show? Is it food? What is it? That's the least of your concern. The Apostle Paul says, because we know God and we don't glorify Him, when we don't glorify God, when we do know God, then we have become vain in our imagination. Our minds become darkened. The only thing that begins this light inside a person is our mind. We need to turn toward God and focus on God and have our imagination be toward God and not on these other things in life. Our thoughts and our imagination are darkened if they don't turn toward God. Simple calculation. How much time do you spend in your life thinking about God versus how much time you spend in your life thinking about God knows what? That calculation will give you a base estimate of how glorious God is to you. If God is not in your thought, in your mind, He cannot go anywhere. There's nowhere else that you can go. If your mind is dirty, everything else will become dirty. In Psalm 92, he said that God, the Lord, is the Most High forever. There is no time before or after that God is not the Most High. He is the Most High ever. Whenever there's something that we have and we compare it to God, when you look at something, you say, that is glorious. What should go on in your mind is this. God is more glorious than what I'm seeing. When you're appreciating a piece of music and you say, wow, that is so beautiful, your mind should immediately be taken to the place where you say, God is more beautiful. There's much more beauty in God than what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing right now. That is what's going on. That should be what's going on in your mind. He deserves our attention and He deserves our appreciation. Just like you appreciate all the good things that are around you, you should appreciate God. You should see God in everything that you do. You know, all the trials and all of the temptation that God has brought you through, think about that and glorify God. The appreciation of God begins with seeking to know and understand who the Lord is. And we learn God through various means. We learn God, first of all, through the Bible. We learn God through the church, what we're doing right now. And we learn God through the world. We see God in the world. And that's how we learn and appreciate God. When a Christian contemplates God, he exalts his mind to the place where God begins to work in his mind. When we think of God, when we think about God, we take our mind and we elevate it to where God is and God can work with our minds. That's what it means to glorify God with our mind. Study the speck of snow. You see God's detailed handiwork in every piece of snow. But when you stand outside and you see there are white flakes, they're all the same. But if you zoom in, you will see. And it requires attention. It requires careful examination to see God's handiwork. And everything that you see, you, you might see, oh, it's just another person. But when you get to know that person, 
you will see there's infinity here. My interaction with that person is infinite. That's beautiful. Have you considered that? When you talk to someone, that conversation that you have with someone happened only once in this universe. That's beautiful. Our conversation here today only happens once. It never happened again and it had never happened before. So everyone, every interaction is glorious unto God because if we recognize God, we see the beauty in everything that we experience. Secondly, we glorify God through our affection. That is our heart. So first the mind, secondly the heart. Matthew 22 verse 37, glorifying God with our heart means that we subject our love toward God and God alone. Can you love your mom? Can you love your dad? Of course you can. But they are subordinate to your love toward God. Because of the love for God, then that love can be given to people around us. Love the Lord with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Love the Lord your God. Your affection, what you love, what you desire should be God. There are two kinds of love. Love for the sake of the self and then there is a love for the sake of God. Love for the sake of the self is when we have an affection for God because he had done something special for you. That is a selfish love. You love God because you know that by loving God, he will give you something. He will bless you. He will give you life enjoyment, for example. That is the love of the self. You're actually loving yourself. You're not loving God when you love that because you love God so that you would have something from God. You don't need to learn the Bible. You need to go to church. You don't need to be even be a good person to have this kind of love. This kind of love can be had by anyone because everyone loves himself more than anyone else. But the love that brings glory to God is when the heart set on God for who he is and not because what he can do for us. That is the love for God. That is the love that Jesus Christ spoke about here. Christ is glorified when we reserve the best for him in all things. What does that mean? Our affection, when we, we turn toward him, we turn toward him above everything else. You still love him because who he is, not because of what he can or have done for you. The sign of love that brings glory to God when we are changed. So you see, we love God and that love toward God changes us. And when you are changed by God's love, you love him more. It's a self-giving love. That should be the reason why, if you want a reason to love God, you want to love God because when you love God in return, you get to love Him more. You know this. You know this kind of love. You have a friend who you love and you're willing to do anything for him, regardless whether or not that person is able to repay you. And you do it just because you love that person. There's no reason you're willing to do and if that person never done anything for you it doesn't matter that is the kind of love that we have a glimpse of in this life and that's the kind of love that we need to love god with the kind of love that glorify god is when we reserve the best part of our love when you get hooked into something for example you found something new some new hobby some new investment of your time and your affection and you're finding that you spend all your time could be a new game. What this love will tell you is, while you are involved yourself in this, you take a step back and you say, wait a minute. No, this cannot take the place of God. 
God is more than all of this. I need to turn my love toward God. That's what you and I, we need to do. This is what is commanded. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. This is what we need to love God with. Solomon gives a great expression of this love in Songs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 8. And in this song, he says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. The kind of love that makes you sick. I'm not sure if you have or have ever come to a point in your life when you are sick because of love. There is this longing, this draw, and you cannot put your finger on it. There is this draw towards the love that you can't eat, you can't enjoy anything until you're satisfied by this love. That is the kind of love that God wants you to have with Him. It's the kind of love that some of you might have experienced with God. The kind of love that you can't sleep because you, in the middle of the night, you awake thinking about Him, thinking about all the things that's glorious about God. There are times I remember when I first come to the Lord and I couldn't sleep and in my sleep, I started to repent. God forgive me because when I come in contact with God's glory, I see how filthy I am and in my, in my dreams, I keep repenting and God forgive me. That kind of love, the love of God that returns fills your heart, making you love Him more. And that glorious beauty increases our love and the captivation of our hearts toward Him. And that, when people see that, they will see God's glory in your life. Now let's turn toward the outside. So those two things are the inner. And now, how do we show God's glory on the outside? Don't love with only those things in your thoughts and in your heart. They have to translate to something that's tangible and concrete and visible on the outside. The body, the outward expression, the outward expression of giving God's glory reveals Christ in the sight of all creation. We are the witnesses of Jesus Christ. What we do, people will see. What we say, people will hear. Things that go on in our heart is between us and God, but our expression, what we do, what we say, is what become witnesses to other people. So this is the outward expression. First of all, adoration. The expression of the glory of God through you is your adoration, your expression. Glorifying God through adoration is an outward expression of our words. Um, another way to put it is your communication in praise to God. When you're praising God, that is the outward communication to the world that you are glorifying God. God, you are worthy to be praised. Your majestic glory fills the earth. Read the psalm. You will hear, you will read the readings from the psalm. This is the outward expression. If the psalmist did not write it, we wouldn't have this glory to even think about how glorious God is. How do you know that God is glorious? Because someone has experienced it and then formulated it in some kind of medium that we can read, hear, and see today. And that is how we appreciate God's glory. You and I, we have the same responsibility. Someone say, I love God in my heart. That's great. Now express that love in forms of word. Now can you say it? A person who never have experienced God will never experience God until they see it in our lives. Our love and our affection for God visibly. They see it and then they will draw to God because they see that you are excited about God. You are committed to God. When God is in the house, you are raptured by His presence. There is a respect and there's an honor to God. Who is this God? And now you can share that. But first, you have to say, do you respect God? Do you praise God? Do you worship God the way that He should? And that is our testimony of who God is. Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord 
his name. When Herod, when he received that praise, what he should do is get on his knees and said, All glory be to God. I'm only a man just like you. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. If you don't see beauty, you cannot worship Him. When we come in contact with God's beauty, the inner expression of God's glory becomes the outward expression of that things that we experience from the inside. Two modes of worship that gives God glory. First is the civil respect in honor of God's inherent position and authority. God is God and therefore we must worship Him. That is the civil respect duty. Secondly, is the more important one, and that is divine worship in reverence to God's majestic prerogative, meaning God deserves our worship and no one else. We worship only God because He is God worthy to be worshipped. When confronting with someone who is in authority, what we do is we show that person respect. When you're standing before the judge and you are on the other side of the bench, you will respect the church as your honor. Yes, your honor. No, your honor. We give respect because that person is in authority. And therefore, when you give that person the respect, you are giving that person glory because of their position and their authority. When Abraham, when his wife died, when Abraham's wife died, Sarah, and he wanted to bury her in a, a tomb, but there's no land for him to bury her. So he went to the children of Heth. He asked to purchase this land to bury his wife. And they say, no, you shall not buy it from us. We give it to you for free. We want you to have it. And he said, no, I cannot take it. I have to give you something for it. It's incredible. I'm astounded by the generosity of the people and the generosity of Abraham. It's rare now, right? Now everything is quit poco. We do something because someone do something for us. But in those days, I miss those days. They treat each other with such kindness. And you know what Abraham did? He convinced them to receive money from him or uh, recompense from him. And then he bowed down before the children of Heth. They're just men, but he gave them respect because of what they've done for him. Now, that's a civil respect. We should honor God with that same civil respect, but God demands another type of respect, and that is called divine worship. He expects us to worship him. And this divine worship you cannot give to anyone else except for God. Okay? This worship is only for God. Reserved only for God. God is glorified when we express reverence toward Him. Don't take the first commandment. Do not have any gods before me. God, do not share His glory with anyone. When Ezra, in Ezra 8.6, let me read to you. And Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God and all the people answered, Amen, Amen with lifting up their hands and they bow their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is divine worship. When we recognize God, we give on the outward expression of our posture, we bow down and we worship God. That is how God receives divine worship. You see in the Eastern cultures where people come to these statues and they bow down to these statues in reverence, now, think about this. The statue did nothing for them, but they expressed divine worship to these statues. And God is abhorrent because of that, because all divine worship should be to God, because He's the one who gave life. That worship, the form of worship that we should do to God. So when you find yourself in the church, when there is worship that's going on, 
Now, if we are not 100% tuned to God and worship God, regardless of what the form of worship is, regardless, you whether you like the song or you don't like the song, whether there's some issues with things that are going on in your mind, your life, whatever it is, when you are in worship, you know that your worship is toward God and only to God and you have responsibility with God. So tune your mind out of all of the external thing. When you come into worship, when you worship God, make your worship to God devoted. Singularly to God and toward God alone. Isaiah saw a glimpse of God's glory. He was put into this celestial place when he saw the beast moving about with six wings to cover the eyes, the legs, and then they floated before God or they flew before God. And it shows this glimpse of glory, the majestic glory of God, where everything was in order. Everything moved about in the preordained fashion that God has ordained his worship. The thing that Isaiah saw provoked him to say this, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is worship. Worship is when we come into the contact of God's glory, divine glory, and we worship. We recognize our filthiness, our uncleanness, and we worship God. Not because we deserve to worship God, but He deserves all praise. Worship is when we come into a place where we see how insignificant we are. Think about Isaiah in that realm, the celestial realm, and you saw all of these creatures majestically beautiful, and yet they give God's glory. Whoa, it's me. Look, I'm, I'm just a man in the midst of this congregation of holiness. Worship, the expression. What you do, worship God. When you sit around with your friends, do you pray? That prayer will tell your friends that God is high up in your life. Your friends, they're, even though you respect them, but God is still up there. When, when they say something, it goes against your faith in God, or it degrades God, they laughed, they joked about God, about the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do? How do you respond? Would you give God's glory? Lastly, deeds. Everything that we do thus far, we are showing people, we are proclaiming, we're making announcement. But now, the last part is your deeds. Psalms 103 verse 20. Bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, and hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless the Lord. The glory of God is revealed when Christians like the angels stand ready to do God's commandment. We are his servants. We stand ready and when God says, go, we will go. After all of that glorious revelation, Isaiah stand there and saw this glorious, God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. When you are in God's presence, you are ready to go. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You and I, we have been given the glory of God. And for that glory to show, it's shown through our good works, the things that we do. What you do shows God's glory. And when you show God's glory through your work, this is what happens. The people who receive that work from you will glorify God. That is how God is glorified. That's how the world will glorify God when we are subjected to God's ministry. 
Think about the nonprofit that started by Christians. They open hospital, they treat people for free, and did all this. When people ask why, they would say, because of God, because their fear and their love for God, and then people would turn to God and glorify God. That is how God is glorified. Good works is the result of the obedience that we have to God's glory. They would say, but you leave your family for the glory of God. But you leave your job. But yes, it's all for God's glory. And that's how God is magnified when we sacrifice for Him. Why would you do this? God is great. God is glorious. And I'm willing to do everything for God. And when you do that on behalf of other people, they will see and they will glorify. Lastly, in John chapter 15, verse 8, we glorify Jesus Christ through this one act. John chapter 15, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye be my disciples. Coming back to that image of the tree. You are the branches. If you are the branches that is in Christ, then you are his disciples. And if you are his disciples, then you will bear fruit. That is how God is glorified, when you bear fruit. Lord, we are excited We want to come to a place, Lord, in our lives where everything that we do turn back to you and to glorify you. That people around us will see that you are glorious in every small or great things that we do. That in our words, in our speech, in our works, in our mind, in our affection, you are altogether glorious. I pray that this glory permeates everything that we do, become infectious to other people around us. May your spirit move mightily in each one of us and open up our minds and cause us to glorify you in everything that we do, whether it is the little things or it is the great things that we do. May you be forever glorified in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.